from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Click. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As a reminder, our show is hosted on the Anchor app, but you can find us on all the big podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you're, per, if you're looking for the video format of the show, we are up and running at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Check us out on all fronts. Like, listen, share, subscribe. We appreciate all the support. Drink, what's going on, man? Hey, you know, same old, same old. Glad to be back in this thing with you. Another Wednesday doing what we do. You know what I'm saying? Hey, and you know how we get down to it. We see what they don't, say what they want, and you know what time it is. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll, baby. And in episode 45, the Celtics win their fourth straight. NFL players are skipping workouts, and we react to recent events in Minnesota that led to a sports outage on Monday. But we begin with Monday night NBA action from Dallas, where the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Dallas Mavericks 113-95. It was the third win out of four for Philadelphia as they remain in a tie with the Brooklyn Nets for first place in the East. Dallas has now lost three of four, and they continue to sit in the seventh spot in the Western Conference. Blowout win for the Mavericks, never really in the second half, uh, most particularly, didn't look to be much in doubt. Big game for Joel Embiid, he had 36 points. Uh, They also got 20 off the bench from uh, Furkan Korkmaz. Luka Doncic, 32 for Dallas, but they were without Chris uh, Chris Porzingis, and he did not re- receive a whole lot of help outside of that. Uh, outside of Jalen Brunson, that is. He, he had 15. He kind of showed up. Uh, but what was your reaction uh, to this game in all, uh, Drink? This game went exactly the way it was supposed to. Like, let's keep it real. If And we kind of hinted on this before the show. When you heard 76ers and Mavericks, oh, okay, yo, that, that might be a matchup. The Mavericks ain't going to have Porzingis. I know I've been hard on Porzingis, but you know what's even harder? is him just not playing at all. You know you ain't getting no productivity then, right? So then once we heard that, that I'm, I'm going to be honest, that probably took the sales out of this because I, I think Dallas at full strength would have had a problem keeping up with the 76ers. And then you don't have your, your best guy. And then guys you thought was going to show up. I don't know if Brunson was built to be the second guy when Porzingis is out. I don't know. Maybe not. I, that sounds a while to me. So I, I'm just going to be real here. Listen, we, we had two teams here. We had two MVP candidates. One MVP candidate is a mile ahead of the other one at this point right now. Just just playing out of his mind. That that being Joel and B. But at the end of the day, it, I'm going to be honest. I didn't take much from this game because it happened the way it's supposed to happen. You have a superior elite defensive team with a top two MVP candidate in Philadelphia, a top two defensive player of the year in Ben Simmons. Um, and we, we, we know the, re- the rest of the accolades. Then you got Dallas coming in here trying to get their wheels going in the right direction. Luca can't do it all by himself, man. Like, what he can't do it all by himself, especially against a team like the 76ers this year. So, to be honest with you, I, I, I mean, the game went the way it was supposed to. I mean, it was Joel Embiid and everybody else. It was his party. Everybody else came. Luca came, showed, did his thing, but in a losing effort. I don't know 
how, how you like translate that. But at the end of the day, what I do think Mark Cuban is going to have to do when it's said and done at the end of the season, he's going to go have to go and reevaluate a lot of these guys. First starting with Porzingis. Like, this is not it. It's like, this team's supposed to be so much better than this. We like, we, I, don't, I don't know. And with the 76ers, look, here's the deal. You already know how I feel. I'm, I'm more, the more I watch the 76ers, the more I think they will be the Eastern Conference champions this year. I really just like what they're doing. I'm just, I feel like the way they're handling business this year is the way we just wanted to see them do this last year and the year before. And so this, I love what the 76ers are doing. And, and I think the score is indicative of what should have happened. This was no letdown by the 76 Hell, Ben Simmons only had eight points. It's no outrage. You know why? Because that's a Ben Simmons stat line. That's a stat line. Like, <laughs> get, say what you want, but that that is a stat line for Ben Simmons. Look, he didn't shoot any threes. He went 50% from the field. Oh, by the way, he went two for six from the free throw line. That's a Ben Simmons um, stat line, folks. Um, six rebounds, seven assists. But he was a plus 13. So, mm-hmm. with all that said, <laughs> he he, you want him on the court. So with that said, hey, and then you get you, you got you got you get the bench productivity that you get out of court months. Listen, I ain't mad at it. I don't think this is a game that you look and you said, hey, the 76ers got pushed. This is a game, you know, we really learned something about the 76ers. I didn't learn a damn thing out of this game other than Porzing is gonna be hurt again. Poor he's gonna stay hurt. Embiid is still in the MVP conversation, and Ben Simmons is just not interested in shooting the three. That's the only thing I learned from this game. Everything else, it just went status quo for me. So, I, you know, I don't really got no extra insight. I thought it was one of the rarities that the game kind of went the way I thought it was going to go once Porzingis was announced out of the game. Yeah, I, I agree. It's one of those instances where as soon as, I, you know, I turned it on and hey, Porzingis is out tonight with in, in, uh, injury management. And I, well, yeah, guess I'll try to manage my, you know, um, attention span and keep tuned into this because I mean it was pretty apparent early on that you know Philadelphia was gonna run him out the building and not that not that Porzingis I don't know if he makes a major difference you know in this particular matchup because no I don't think there, there's nobody that's stopping Joel Embiid when he's gonna do the, at least a more competitive game though it w- yeah I think it would have been more competitive but in the end and this is Similar to how I feel about Joel Embiid against anybody right now, I don't. I, it's it's going to be hard to deal with him. Um, and you know, Porzingis might have helped because you can throw another body at him. But I mean, you know, when Maxi Kleber is picking up two fouls in like a minute and a half to start the game, you know, it's going to be a long night. You know, and then you bring in, you know, you're bringing in Melly, you know, Nicolo Melly, you're bringing him in there. You know, they're they up there, you know, resurrecting Willie Cauley Stein, throwing him in there and just no chance. I mean, nobody had a chance all night. Uh, he was he was outstanding in the post. Like, I mean, the free throw line, limit at the free throw. And this guy played 26 minutes and dropped 36. And I don't I don't think he played the fourth quarter. Uh, and it's an interesting season for the MVP conversation. We'll probably get into that at some point. But you think about it, so many guys have, you know, missed significant time that it's going to be hard to, you know, it's going to be hard for voters to really hold that against so many different guys. Right. Um, and I think MB right now, if he if he can remain healthy and not miss many more games, I don't think you can miss a whole lot more. But if he if he can stay healthy and Philadelphia gets the one seed, I think MB is going to be the MVP. Um, that what what we saw Monday night against Dallas, that was the stuff of an MVP. And the different the, the difference in this game, you know, part of this is Porzingis not being there, but one MVP candidate or caliber player had help, and the other didn't. Luka Doncic played fair, played pretty well. I mean, you go ten right. for twenty, and you know also get to you know shoot eleven free throws of your own against a defense to this degree. And this is you know Ben Simmons, who you know we I've been told is in the defensive player of the year conversation, maybe leading it. And Luka Doncic does that because Ben Simmons is 6'10 with, you know, perimeter skills, you know, can guard, you know, one through one through four, one through five even. Um, 
and that's that's who you know was on Luca a lot of the time, and Luca's still doing this. That's that's impressive in itself, and that can get lost in this really dominant performance by Philly. So I think I, I think Luca deserves a lot of credit for how he competed and how he played. It's just unfortunate that he didn't just didn't have the didn't have the horses with him. I mean, Jalen Brunson 15, Finney Smith 12, nobody else in double figures. I mean. Uh, shout out to Kleber for his 14 minutes with three points and four fouls. I mean, there's a reason I call him by his jersey number and not his name. That's my boy 42 right there putting in that work. <laughs> but he's not the only one. I mean, I really, I don't think this is what Dallas bargained for from one Josh Richardson. I mean, let's not forget him. This is a key, this is a pretty key contributor for Philadelphia last year up to the point where I said, you know, when Embiid, at one point I was like, I would actually like Josh Richardson to close games for Philadelphia. I said that. I don't know what I was thinking in retrospect because Josh Richardson can't open, be the middle, or close games with his seven points. That's not going to help very much. So he's a guy that, you know, moving forward, if Dallas wants to be serious and give, you know, a team like Phoenix or uh, the Clippers or whoever they wind up playing in the first round, you know, he's a guy that you're going to have to get more from. But can I just, I do, I do want to give Porzingis a little bit of credit. If you look at his last three games, 23 and 12, 26 and 17, and 31 and 15. That's, that's, that's something. So I know we, we, we rag on Porzingis all the time. And it, it seems like that it's, for whatever reason, he's missed, when we do a Mavericks game, he misses the game or he's in the game and he's not playing well. The last three that he suited up for, those are, I mean, I think anybody would take those, you know, that type of production. So, I mean, I wouldn't close the book on Porzingis and Dallas just yet. Um, but I do think, you know, this is, you need to see Porzingis and Doncic together come playoff time operating at peak performance. And then you just have to kind of, you got to get better around them. I don't know if they have enough, you know, they, they seem like a team that needs a legit third score. And, you know, Hard, Tim Hardaway would really kind of be that guy for me but he's just a little hit and miss. But Philadelphia, in terms of, and we, we, you know, we touched on this a little bit, Brooklyn obviously has all the firepower in the world, you know, and they're, they're a popular, they, you know, the general consensus is probably they're the favorite right now. But I wouldn't rule out Philadelphia by any stretch because of how they defend and because no one has, no one has anything for Joel Embiid. I mean, Brooklyn, Brooklyn can throw DeAndre Jordan at him but Embiid, the thing about Embiid is he can score from anywhere on the floor as a five. He's obviously got the post game. He can face you up. He can shoot the three. I do like how he's being a little bit more selective on his, th his threes. I thought last year he took way too many threes. But the way Doc Rivers is utilizing him and, you know, he's being, he's doing a lot of pump faking from the three and just getting, getting close to the basket. Because if you're a defender, you know, you, they can't, no one, they can't handle him you know, in the post, you know, and, and around the rim. So regardless, even if he's making a three, because he made a three at one point, I think Jeff Van Gundy made a great comment. He said, that's actually helping the defense because maybe he gets suckered into thinking, oh, I got my three-point shot. Let me take more threes tonight. And in the end, I think that helps the defense because they had, you know, Dallas had no chance against him on the inside last night. And don't, and don't forget Embiid is a supreme free throw shooter. I think that's an important thing. That is absolutely uh, right. For a guy his size, you know he's going to get hacked. Right. And he knocked down his free throws at an elite level for especially he he knocked him down at an elite level for any shooter in the NFL, in, in in the NBA, but for a 5, oh man, that's a different percentile. So um I think that's very important too cuz now you don't have to worry about taking him off the court at any given time cuz he's going to make them free throws. Like you said, he can make the 3. So I just, how many games, I, this is how I look at, at the 76ers right now. How many games will we watch the 76ers play and Joel Embiid will not be the best player, especially in the Eastern Conference? Maybe in the Western Conference, it's a few teams. Eastern Conference, all right, they play the Nets. If KD out there, I got it. You know, James Harden, I'm not going to knock that. But outside of the Nets and Milwaukee, you look at the rest of the East, you're like, Joel Embiid is probably the best player on the team for both the teams outside yeah. of the Nets and the Bucks. As of yeah, as of right now, today in the East, the only player I'd put above Embiid is Giannis. 
and that's and that's close. Like you could make a great case what? for MB. You could. Yo, make, so you, you could, put whoa whoa. You gonna put you would put MB over KD? At this at this moment in time, yeah. I don't think I I just haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough. I'm saying right now I would take MB. I think I think it's a little bit I think it's a little bit safer. I just I haven't seen a lot of KD this year. I've seen a lot of him on the sideline. And that's something I, I've seen a lot of Brooklyn Nets on the sideline. I think we may touch on that down the line. They continue to, you know, miss games like it's, you know, it's optional to to work. All right, staying in the NBA, we now turn to Tuesday night action between the Boston Celtics and Portland Trailblazers. Boston on the road, earning their fourth straight victory, 116-115, one-point win. Jason Tatum led the way with 32 points, including a big three late that made a four-point game with about eight seconds left. Jalen Brown, also a big night. He had 24 points. Kimball Walker, 21 points, as all five Boston starters scored in double figures. Now, the Trailblazers got... 28 from Damian Lillard, 25 from Carmelo Anthony, and 20 from Norman Powell. It was the Trailblazers. I believe it was their, what was it, their second straight defeat? It was, and they've now lost four of five. They still sit in the sixth spot in the Western Conference. They're still out of that uh, play-in scenario if the playoffs began today. Boston, right now, they have moved up to fifth in the Eastern Conference. Of course, just as soon as I get off the bandwagon, they start winning. They were without Evan Fournier last night. They were able to overcome that. Uh, really entertaining game. It came down to the final seconds. Uh, Drink. What was your What was your biggest takeaway from this one? That the Celtics, the, the Celtics showed me some grit. Right. I'm not gonna knock. I we, I talk trash about them when they do bad. Let me let me let me give them a little kudos. They showed me some grit last night, and that was enough grit to get it done in the playoff. I mean, in the play-in round. There wasn't enough grit to get it done in the actual playoffs. But it was cool nonetheless. Um, I, I, I like, for the most part, I like what Tatum was doing. I like what Brown was doing. Robert Williams, I mean, listen, to your point about their depth, that guy is good. He's just not good to do it all by himself. But he's good. He, he needs to get in the gym, put a little more meat on his bones because it's, it's some thick fives he's going to go against. Um, but, you know, the MBs of the world, like, you're going to go get some guys that are going to give you this work in your chest. He might need to go bulk up a little bit, but for what he does and for what his contract is, I guess, he's value. He's, he's some good value. He's great. He's fun to watch, too. He's he's good. He's just a little, little skinny for a five, but he, he's good value. Um, but with that said, once Boston is Boston. We've been saying this all year. Up and down, hot or cold, you can't never really stick a pin on them. You know, last night Tatum was the man. The next game, Brown might be the man. Kimball, we don't know. Um, and that's – I like what they did last night because it seems as if they was like, all right, Tatum, do do your thing, right, and we're going to figure it out while you do your thing. And that seems like what I seen out of Tatum last night. You know, Tatum and Little seem to be – Doing, you know, you know how Dame Dame Dollar do. You know he loved trying to have individual battle with somebody going, you know, point for point. Seemed like him and Tatum was doing that. Um, like you said, very entertaining game. Um, Brown, I thought evidently it seems like Brown as the second guy came through a little more than C.J. McCollum did as the second guy. Um, but overall, I, I you know, I, I wasn't enamored with the defense in any team. But I did like – I thought the Celtics was in a better rhythm with Jason Tatum being the aggressive one guy. I, I just felt like the Trailblazers kind of stop and go, stop and go. I mean, just look at the percentage. Damon Lillard and C.J. McCullough chunked up a lot of shots. C.J. McCullough only has, what, 16 points to show for it? He threw up a lot of shots. And together, I just don't think that's – a recipe for winning. With all that said, to your question, what is my biggest takeaway? That we're gonna see the Portland Trail Blazers in the play-in scenario again. That's that's my biggest takeaway. I, I think they're gonna slide all the way. They're gonna slide enough to we gonna get we're gonna get them in the play-in tournament. They're gonna look good again. Nurkic, Zach Collins, 
whoever else that we ain't seen all season, they're going to come together with all your powers combined. I choose you. Like, and then, you know, they're going <laughs> to figure this out and, you know, they're going to play. Uh, <laughs> they're going to, you know, play and then they're going to get their first round opponent and then that's going to be that. So that's what I see. That was my biggest takeaway, man. I'm, I'm over Portland. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm over Portland. I really am. Here's the deal. With Boston, as much crap I give Boston, Boston played in the Eastern Conference. You just said they the fifth seed. They could slide up to the, you know what I'm saying? They keep playing, you know, winning basketball. They can easily slide up to like the third seed, something like that. In the West, it doesn't work like that. No, don't get me wrong. It is a jumble in the, in the West. But Portland ain't going to be, <laughs> this Portland team ain't going to be part of that jumble. They lucky they're not in the bottom of the heat right now. But I'm just not a, I'm not a believer in, like, the way Portland is set up no more. Like, Damon Little, awesome, elite superstar. CJ McCullough, good good role player when you want to be. That Terry Stotts, I just, maybe his voice is getting stale there. Whoever the GM, but I'm I'm over the Trailblazers. I'm not, and I just don't care to see them all that much no more. But I just feel like what they're going to do is the same thing they did last year. Towards the end of the year, they're going to finally decide to play. They're going to win the play-in tournament. They're going to get in the first round. They're going to get this business by whoever they play. Whatever the four top teams is they play, it don't really matter. They're going to get this work, and then they're going home again. And, and you know, the rest is history. And then we're going to talk about who wasn't there again, who was hurt again. So I'm I'm just I'm I'm over Portland. The Celtics. Let's see if they can keep going. But I will say this about the Celtics: that is the way you need to play. Even though you won about one point, I got it. I think that is your recipe for winning. Throw out however you used to play. That ain't this this year. I think you gotta kind of put the ball in Tatum's hand and and hope that he's the superstar that you think he is and let him make plays and let him go get it. This whole six shots for Tatum, six shots for Braun, five shots for Kimball. This this ain't it. That 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 philosophy ain't gonna work. You you gotta go, you gotta kinda let Tatum take the rings. I'm sorry, no disrespect to Brown, no disrespect to Walker, none of those guys, but I think this is the winning recipe. Tatum is the one. You play some pretty, you know, good to decent defense. I'm not saying you're gonna be like 76ers level defense, but enough defense where you can get multiple possessions. And then you work it like that. You don't have the shooting that you would need to, like, take it over the top. But I do think you got enough gritty guys where you can keep winning like this. The one-point games, the two-point games, the final possessions, the last two minutes of the game, however you want to put it. I feel like you do have the team for that type of recipe. You don't have the shooters to go head up with, like, you don't have what the 76ers got. You don't have what the Nets got. You don't have what Milwaukee got. I'm sorry, you just don't have the shooting like that. Um, you do have the champ, you know, championship level experience, I guess, if you want to call it that. But I'm just the Celtics, they got enough where they can move up, so I'm not gonna like really beat on them that bad. This discussion, you know, usually I do is my thing. But I'm not gonna beat up on them too bad in this discussion. But the Trailblazers, my biggest takeaway is they're gonna probably be in the play-in game again, and then they need to blow that up. Blow it up. I'm, I'm done. Let's let's go. Let's start it over. Let's pull a Houston Rockets. You know, let's 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 start this thing over. It's over with. No one in their right mind gonna tell me Portland is gonna ever other than Charles Barkley. He the only one still believe in the Trailblazers. It's over with. I'm done with them. We we over with. So that was my biggest takeaway from the game last night between the Celtics and the Trailblazers. I don't feel like yeah, I feel like uh heading to the playoffs, you look at both of these teams, and I'm still I'm not really you know, excited about either one. I don't think either one can make it, you know, into the second round. I think Boston has helped themselves now. If Boston, and we, I think we talked about this before, Boston, if they can get to the four or five range, that's that's their path into the second round. But if they are six, seven, or eight, they're either going to be playing Milwaukee, Philly, or Brooklyn, and nobody's taking Boston in any series. Probably not. Nobody's taking nobody. Nobody's taking Boston in any of those series. Um, Boston, there was, it was a gritty is probably the correct word. Um, hard fought game on the road. Portland, Portland's a good team on their home floor. 
And I think the, the thing I liked about them last night is they seemed a l- little bit more sure of themselves and like, you know, who, you know, who to turn to in key situations. Um, in the closing, in the closing minute last night, it, it was Jason Tatum time. And I do think even though there's really, there's good arguments for Jalen Brown that maybe he, he could get the last shot, but it just, it, the Boston feels like a Tatum team, just a little bit more than Jalen Brown, even though they're both all-stars, they both average around 24, 25 a game. It just feels like Tatum is that guy more so than Jalen Brown. Um, and, you know, you got to give him credit last night. Up by one, eight seconds to go. Tatum drills a contested three-pointer that you know, essentially puts the game out of reach. Uh, Norman Powell hit a big three with five seconds left immediately after, but played a foul game. Uh, they couldn't get, they couldn't wind up getting a good attempt to end the game. But I mean, this is a, this is a tough way for Boston to continue because every starter was pretty good last night. Uh, Tatum and Brown were, were, were really good. Kimball, I mean, percent, the, his field goal, his efficiency wasn't great, but he still, you know, hit a bunch of shots for you. Marcus Smart, you know, all the little things that he does for you, plus hit three, three pointers and Robert Williams, Robert Williams. I mean, this guy, it just feels like it's a little too soon for Robert Williams on the big stage, but there's so much to like out. I mean, uber athletic, uh, plays above the rim in the lob game, really athletic defensively. He can alter shots. Um, got a little bit of a floater game, you know, that little push shot in the middle of the floor. He can do a lot of things. He just feels like it's a little too soon. And they're, it was good to see Tristan Thompson in last night because I think he's going to be important as far as their depth goes. Fournier is going to be real important too. I just don't have a whole lot of faith in him. But that those two, <laughs> those two are going to be really key because when you get past them, there's not much. There's not much going on on this bench, and that bench last night had all of ten points. So it's a it's a tough way to play to expect your starters to all perform just at peak performance, and you get no lift from your bench whatsoever. And as much as I like how Boston played last night, it's still one point game and Portland Portland had a whole lot of misses that just they had one possession in the fourth quarter where they got like three offensive rebounds they got like three or four like good looks at a three and they just missed all of them Lillard and CJ were fairly inefficient last night 15 to 42 it just it just wasn't one of those nights for those guys where they just you know took over and we've seen we've seen it from them. Like there are times where they both are, or one of them, or both of them, they're in such a rhythm that they just they just take over to such a degree it doesn't matter. Now you add in Norman Powell, you do like that three three guard combo. Um, but Norman Powell was pretty good last night. The other two, Lillard and CJ, not so much. Mello kept him in the game for several Mello, stretches. Yeah, he was. I think in the I think it was in the third quarter that Portland had nothing going offensively. And it was Carmelo Anthony that kept him in the game. I thought he played an exceptional game. He needed it because he had a donut the night before or the last game against Miami. So that was that was great to see. It was it was a vintage performance from Carmelo Anthony. Um, but I think I think I would I'm inclined to agree with you as far as the play in scenario. I would say um, I, I think Dallas is going to catch him. I don't know. What do you think? It, I think it has to be Dallas. If yeah, if. If Porzingis come back and do what we think he can do, they should catch him. Because I think Dallas is better than, like, Portland as a team. I just think when they have their pieces, Porzingis come back and all that, I think those other guys that we look at, you know, Tim Hardaway, Josh Richardson, guys like that will play better. Because, you know, it's like a role fit. But I, I agree right. with you. I think Dallas could catch Portland and they could fall behind him. That's a, it's interesting, it's interesting to, to think that way because – we talked about, um, you know, somebody starting five, how much we liked them. I can't. Oh, the Denver Nuggets. Dem- oh, hey, yeah, we talking about Denver starting five. You look at Portland starting five, their starting five has a, now that you add Powell in there, there's a, there's a lot to like about that starting five. But, like, I don't know. It's something, something doesn't, I don't think, there's a little bit that doesn't feel right about either team. I'm not sold on either moving forward. Right. Uh, you know, I've held out as long as I can for Boston. Now they're winning, but still, they've been so far up and down that, you know, I, I got to think there's going to be a three-game losing streak coming up very shortly to put them right back <laughs> down around 500. But, like, yeah, Portland, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't think they defend particularly well, and they're they're so perimeter oriented that I, I feel like that's going to catch up to them. And I just like, you know, you. It's similar to Boston, unless if Portland could somehow get the five seed, but even then, it's not like Utah, Phoenix, L.A. Or both L.A. teams. I don't know. I don't know if I take. Port- I give Portland an outside chance against Phoenix, but although those other three teams, I don't think Portland would have much of a chance. All right, now to the NFL, where five NFL teams have decided to skip the voluntary off-season workouts. Those teams include the Denver Broncos, Seattle Seahawks, Tampa Bay Bucks, Detroit Lions, and some of the New England Patriots. Much of the concern is stemming from the lack of coronavirus protocols. We have Denver facing a rising positivity rate in their community, and Seattle said after reviewing the research and information surrounding the workouts, they decided not to participate. Okay, Drink, what are your thoughts on players skipping the voluntary workouts due to concerns around COVID-19 and the alleged lack of protocols in place for the NFL? Well, first and foremost, when I hear the word voluntary, it is what it is at that point. Like, it it is what it is. Like, you can't, like, I I pose this scenario to you. Like, being, being in the armed forces, right, if somebody call you and say, hey, you know what I'm saying, Hey man, hey Jay, you know, I don't want to throw your stuff out there, but hey Jay, you know, hey, we got we got this opportunity on Sunday at eight. Yo, you, you we need you out there. You lost me at Sunday. What? <laughs> Did you say you want me to volunteer on Sunday? Like, nah, that's gonna be a no for me, dog. Yeah. Like, we ain't doing it. So that's how I look at this, like. Is it a bigger issue this season? Maybe. I mean, maybe it is. But at the end of the day, it's voluntary. That's it. Like, it's not part of their contract. It's not. It's voluntary. When we start talking about OTAs and stuff like that, and then teams are not showing up, now I got you. By contract, they're supposed to be there. All right? You start docking their money. That's simple. You don't want to show, you don't get paid. Here's the thing. I just don't understand how the COVID protocol is so much different from what you've been doing the whole last season. What is so different? I think the biggest problem with the whole COVID protocol when it came to the NFL was not the NFL. It was more on the organizations, the teams that wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. You know, Tennessee Titans out here, they had Mm -hmm. a debacle for like forever, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was other teams, but I know the Tennessee Titans was like, the biggest violators. They was acting a fool. Um, but that's that's the biggest problem with the COVID protocol. It's not what the NFL has established because the if you use the protocols they established, it works. I mean, we see the numbers. But when we see no spikes, it was always teams that wasn't where they were supposed to be or they wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. The players out here not doing what they supposed to do. So, I, I mean, granted, I got it. I just feel like COVID is a nice excuse. It's just like when you go to the DMV now and you try to get something done and they tell you, we're going to holler at you in two months. Due to COVID, your service is going to, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, every time you try to do something, it's yeah. due to COVID. No, 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 yeah. you know? And all you hearing is due to COVID, I'm not going to help you. You can kick rocks. That's all you hear because COVID is no one excuse. That's how I feel about this whole situation. I feel like these players, they don't want, they're not going to go, you know, everything that's going around in, in, you know, the pandemic and everything. So they don't want to go. It's voluntary. So what's the best way to clean this up and make it look reasonable or acceptable? Oh, you know, we got this COVID issue. (laughs) Oh, yo, man, it's COVID. No, we can't be doing that. We can't be working out in that. Come on, man. God, leave me. I just got the vaccine, man. You can't be doing it. So, (laughs) so, so with that said, the, the way I look at it is, I, I don't think the concern is warranted. I just think it's a good excuse why not to work out. It's voluntary. Because when OTAs come, watch how little you hear about the COVID protocol. Because now, people are going to start losing their money for not showing up. I just, and, and I really, to be honest, I mean, if, they, if the players came out right now and said, we don't want to show up because we don't want to show up. What you gonna Thank do? You. Like, yeah, I, I'd rather I'd rather hear that. It's voluntary. What you gonna do? You <laughs> yeah. you just gonna suck it up and be like, damn man, that sucks. We do. Are we gonna have any players that come to the voluntary workouts? You know what I'm saying? So 
with, with all that said, like it is what it is. I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal. No, I will I will say this, and I was a little perplexed about this. I was a little surprised that the NFLPA sent out a memo to the players saying, "Don't participate in the voluntary, you know, workouts." Maybe it's an end goal that I'm not seeing. I was just a little like thrown back, like, "Why are you telling the players not to do that?" If, if, if it's the players' own decision to do it, I got it. I didn't understand why would you send them a memo that say, "Don't do it." I don't know if this is a shot across the ball to the owners or whatever the case might be. You do know though, once you see a memo like that to the players, I would be it would be hard touch to see any player show up to the voluntary workouts when you see something like that come. You think about like it come from the top, don't show up to voluntary workouts. Okay. Cause what's gonna happen to you as a player? If the if the PA is telling you that it's voluntary, all right, I'm out. I see y'all when we gotta be here, I guess. Is it is it good for young players? No. Is it good for progression? No. But this is where we at. That's why you have these agreements. So with that said, I don't have a problem with the players not showing up, not one bit, because it's voluntary. I think it's cute how they try to wrap it up with COVID. And that's that's real cute. They try to mask it with COVID and say this, that, and third. But I have to believe if the NFL handled COVID this whole season, I find it hard that they couldn't handle it in this off-season workout. I just you don't forget how to handle a situation. You know how to handle it. You've been doing it. So yeah, I I, I think it's just a, a good little smoke screen for them not want to be at, at the workouts. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, I don't think we we didn't. I don't think we touched on this too much. I don't think we got in the weeds too much before the show on this. But I think we've arrived at a very similar place on multiple fronts. First of all, it's a voluntary workout, so who cares? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at the players if they don't come to a voluntary workout. I think, you know, like, like you said, I think the, the younger players, the guys trying to make rosters of, you know, younger players on the fringe and that are in danger of like being cut or however you want to look at, those are the guys that it'd probably be in their best interest to, you know, show up and get some work in. Maybe also if you got some guys who, you know, are coming off injury, maybe they could benefit from some early work, something like that. But in the grand scheme of things, like, yeah, I, you know, and this, this kind of is a topic, you know, year to year where like somebody doesn't show up for whatever reason, but it's, it's always seemed like it's, it's individual based. It's not like right. full teams just saying we don't want to do it. And yeah, I, I think I'm a little suspicious of the whole, the COVID thing. Um, it's something we've been dealing with for quite some time now. Um, you know, I got, you know, uh, you know, Cody messaged me the other day. He messaged me yesterday, and I hadn't heard anything about it yet. He's like, "Yeah, you're. Uh, I see your team's on strike already." I'm like, "What are you even talking about?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, they're doing it. They don't want to do the voluntary workouts because of COVID. Because we. I'm just getting. I'm just getting a little tired of it myself. <laughs> I don't much. I would. I, I do believe it's more of guys just don't want to participate. I'm not much." You know, I'm I'm kind of, I got I got the COVID fatigue right now. You know, it seems like it's just a default excuse for a lot of things. Just oh, you know, we don't want to do health and safety. You know, we scared for whatever reason. Well, social distance, wear your mask. You know, all these things that everybody says help you, and they don't spread the disease as much. Why don't you just go ahead and do that, and then you can volunteer to show up. I'd I'd rather just be told, hey, you know what, voluntary workouts uh bump that we don't want to do it yeah no, don't give me the flimsy excuse of covid that you just you know you've been dodging for you know over a year now for the most part I'm not trying to minimize it i'm not trying to you know sully the memory of anybody who's been died for it i get all that but you know i i, I get real curious the more and the longer that we allow something like this to dictate our lives, especially when we have multiple vaccines in the work. If you're, if you're that concerned about COVID, how about you go get the vaccine? I mean, I don't know that that could be something you might want to um, go ahead and try to do. And then, you know, I've been the way from what I've read, those are pretty, you know, once you get the vaccine, it should protect you. Otherwise, what the hell's the point? So I think the whole situation is really curious. 
um, and suspicious. I'd rather just be told, guys, we'd rather not do it. Uh, we'll see at the OTAs or whatever the, the next mandatory thing that we have to do. And I wouldn't. I would have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, I do. And the other thing is, you know, I'm. I'd be interested to hear a response from the league about, you know, the um, the idea that they don't have their, you know, stuff together as far as COVID. They don't have, you know, the testing or whatever protocols that they have. It's interesting because they, they they had it in the they had it last year, and it seemed like we know we had hiccups. We had Tennessee. There were, you know, a couple other things went wrong throughout the year. Most of them early on. They figured it out. We had a successful season all the way up to the Super Bowl. And now, you know, two months after that, plus multiple vaccines, now we still we still scared. Like I, I'm a skeptic on things like these. So uh, I would, you know, I, I, I will I, and I also say this, like five teams, I, I just prefer can we can we all at least get on the same page? You know, if we're gonna like, you know, we're gonna put on this front that we scared, just to all 32 teams, just Take, you know, take some take some more vacation. Don't worry about the volunteer workouts. Work out at home. Wear your mask at home while you work out. Do whatever you want to do. Protect yourself from COVID. Do that. And that's fine. But don't, you know, I'm not, I think, I think they'll be okay, though. All right, we now turn to the tragic death of an African-American male in Minnesota that occurred on Sunday. 20-year-old Dante Wright was shot by a police officer during a traffic stop. The police say the officer's intent was to tase Wright, but she reached for a handgun. Instead, the police officer and that police chief have since resigned. In response to this incident, the Minnesota Timberwolves, Twins, and Wild all elected to postpone their home games on Monday night. No doubt a tragic story, Drink. Did you think the you think the T-Wolves, Twins, and Wild responded appropriately? I, I'm not mad. Um, yes. I'm gonna say the reason I think so is it was only a one night sabbatical, people. Um, the the games got rescheduled for the very next. The NBA game got scheduled for the very next day. I'm not sure what the the Twins and the Wilds did, but I know the T Wolves played the very next day the same game. Um, and it was a one night response. And and the reason I think it was appropriate is this. Um, make sure I say the right thing. You know, it's thin ice here. Um, I think with everything that's happening in, in our country right now, um, the stoppage was warranted because it helped bring people that's not in Minnesota. I think it, it kind of opened up the eyes of like, you know, let's say the southern region of the United States or the, the, the eastern region to what was going on. Because it, it is possible with all this going on, it's a lot of people in the nation that didn't even know what why the game wasn't being played. It's like, you know, it's, it's so many people came and like, oh, they canceled the Nets and T-Wolves. I want to see Durant tonight. But they don't know why, they, why they're not seeing Durant tonight. So I think the history of what's going on helps you understand what's going on. They always say the past helped you figure out what's going on in the present and the present help you go what's going on in the future. So I think the stoppage was wanted just to bring light to what had happened. Now, where I do, you know, applaud these professional um, organizations is, okay, you made your point, you found, you gathered your information, you talked to the representatives or whoever for Minnesota, you got the backstory. Okay, that's what happened? All right. It's still intolerable, but let's get back to work. It wasn't like the bubble where it was like night after night, you just didn't know what was going to happen here. You kind of gave up because you just didn't know like if you was ever going to see them play basketball again or whatever the case might be. Um, so I, I don't mind the stoppage. So to that point, I don't mind the stoppage because I think it did enlighten a lot of people that didn't know what was going on, quite frankly, that didn't, that didn't even know this incident had happened. Um, now, to the incident itself, the, the, the young man, uh, Dante Wright, uh, got shot. Listen, I don't care black, white, I, it don't, the cover don't the, the color don't really I don't give a damn about the color I don't think anyone should get shot by mistake I said mistake I don't think this young lady not not to say it like I know her personally I don't um but this one felt different this shooting felt a little different than the average you know cop killings that we've been having in in, in, the, in the recent months 
this didn't feel as malicious as George Floyd or, or some of those other incidents. It, unfortunate as it is, it does seem like a mistake. It seem you gotta understand. I don't. I think we underappreciate how fast stuff is moving for police when they're working. How fast stuff is moving for that that perpetrator, that victim, or uh, uh, suspect. That's the word I was looking for. How bad is how fast is moving for the you know the alleged suspect. This stuff is moving. If we can understand how fast a play can happen in football, we should be able to understand how fast something is moving out there in the real world when the police got a split decision. Am I in danger? Am I not in danger? How do I safely, you know, de-escalate um, this situation? How do I, like, it's a lot going on. It's possible that that officer really thought she had her taser instead of checking it, you know, muscle memory, like, yo, let's get them. She shot him. You see the body cam um, video from that. It just don't sound like to me that she was trying to like hide anything or get away with anything or cover up anything. She made an honest mistake. She knew she she messed up. She told the other officers, "I shot him. Like I didn't mean to shoot him, but I shot yeah. him." Yeah. And it, or whatever she said, right? You, yeah. you know. Um. And then the guy tried to drive off. Be, once again, he, he 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 got a split second too. He just got shot for no reason. So he trying to get out of there. He trying he wonder what the what the world is going on. I think we gotta understand not all cop shootings are malicious. Mistakes happen. You cannot find a job in I'ma say in America, but I'm probably in a world where a mistake doesn't happen. Like mistakes right. happen. It's sure. Top doctors in the world that messed up surgery. Top lawyers in the world that messed up a court case. It happens. It's no person that's doing that job that has not messed up on the job somewhat. Now, I get you if you want to say, well, if that lawyer messed up, it don't automatically, you know, um, compute the death. Or if that doctor, well, if that doctor, oh, yeah. my advice tell you. <laughs> that might be death. But my point is, like, it, mistakes happen, and I think the the, the police officer, the young lady, um, she made a mistake. She got fired for the mistake. She's going to get brought up on charges for the mistake. She's going to get in trouble, but we can't treat every case like George Floyd's case. We can't treat every case like Breonna Taylor. We can't. Though it's certain levels. It's levels to this, man. It's levels. And I think what happened in Minnesota is a tragedy. I never want to see a fellow um, African-American get shot, hurt. Now, I, I don't want to see nobody get hurt, but I just don't want my words missing screwed to I, I don't think this situation was serious or I'm undermining it because that's not what I'm doing. But I, I'm smart enough to realize not all cops are trying to gun down unarmed black people. That's just not what happened in that particular situation. I don't think that's what happened. I, she made a mistake. And like I said, I think... All the professional teams, they, they took the night to observe what happened. I'm not mad at that. Take this night, bring the attention to what happened. You make your own conclusions of what happened, and then we're going to get back to business tomorrow. And that's what they did. They got back to business. No harm, no foul. So I'm not mad at that. It's unfortunate. But you made a good point. Like, where where, where are the numbers or where, where where's the data to support that you know police are still out here just shooting up unarmed black men or is it you know every time something happens we're just going to keep reinventing the wheel and keep re reinventing like at some point right it got to be a point to where we're like listen i understand that we're we're angry i understand that we've been treated unfairly for centuries and centuries i got all that but at some point we gotta be like we gotta be reasonable we gotta be rational just like you know we want the police to be rational but we can be irrational with them we gotta understand like i, I live on a principle and and i tell my daughter this all the time and i tell her if she don't under, she don't learn anything else from pops she can learn this from pops and i tell her this i treat everybody with the same respect i want them to treat me and i can tell you right now I have been places where, you know, 
my own people have treated me worse than white people. And I've been in places where white people treat me worse than my own. It, however you look at it, I always try to treat everybody the same. I'm not going to treat a white person different just because they're white. Now, if I talk to this white person and they start giving me these vibes, then we're going to reassess the situation. But if, you know, this person giving me respect, I'm giving them respect. I don't care about the color. I just care about, like, the respect, the common courtesy, whatever, however you want to call it. But not to go down the rabbit hole of race, because I think we go down this rabbit hole a lot. <laughs> the, point, the point of this is Minnes- the sports world in Minnesota stopped on Monday night for a reason. And that night, they stopped to observe the shooting of the young man, Deontay Wright. That was shot by the police. She made a mistake. It, you know, she's gonna get her day in court. This ain't gonna be no just swept on the road. She's gonna get her day in court. She's already been, she's already been fired by the department. The department's already doing what they're doing. Mistakes happen. Unfortunately, as it is, I just want to close it out by saying I do not think this shooting was on the same level as some of the other incidents that we didn't had happen in the past. And we have to realize that and not be so angry and so quick to tear up everything because something happened. First of all, I don't think this this young man even died. Not saying it's less serious because he didn't die, but he didn't die. I think it was an honest mistake. Um, but did he die? I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Damn. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, pretty sure he died. Let me, let yeah, me yeah, just no, check yeah. that just to I, make sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did too. Um, I'm over here. Trying to hold back a tear or something, I don't know. But either way, I, I, I'm, it's it's a very sad situation, and, and that that police she's gonna get a manslaughter charge. Um, but it's unfortunate. But people, li- hear me and hear me loud. Mistake was made, but I don't think it was made on purpose. And not uh, a price will get paid. Unfortunately, every job make mistakes, and this is what happened when this job made mistakes. I guess. Yeah. Um. As always, thoughtful, thoughtful, you know, articulate position on this. I think you know we need we need more of this. We need more you know level-headed discussion as opposed to just you know wild outrage, just anger to the you know exponential degree. However you want to take it up, um, I, I I have understanding. Uh, for why why these um you know these three sports franchises you know said hey let's postpone the game and some of it some of it has to be and I just I just did think of this some of it has to be because of their you know view of things on the ground from Minnesota knowing the climate I also have to remember this is where George Floyd uh, died so there has to be some level of sensitivity around that. Also, you still have the trial going on. So they know better than me and both of us to what is best for them, what's best for their business, their players, and their communities. Um, me, uh, me I, I do take you know, a, a little bit of a different position. I would like to see the games played as scheduled because this, as you as you say, this this was not George Floyd, uh, this was not Jacob Blake, or you know whatever name you want to throw out there. And there's, I feel like we've there have been some very dangerous and misleading narratives that have been in place since George Floyd, in regards to the police, in regards to you know the uh, the race relations in this country, and there after George Floyd, it seemed like everything that occurred every black man that gets shot by the police is the same thing um the same exact thing you know uh, cops are racist they're out to kill black people and you know at the more and more you look at some of these cases and you actually look at the facts and the events leading up to what happened you know if you look at it if you look at them logically and you know don't just you know 100 percent rely on emotion you'll see that these things are often more complicated. Um, and this one, by, absolutely nowhere close to George Floyd. It's, it's most certainly a tragedy. Um, every loss of life is. 
but this was the bet the way I understand it was absolutely an accident. And I mean, obviously the officer deserves to be held accountable. She did resign. I just read that she was charged, I believe today with second degree manslaughter, which sounds about right. You can't just, you know, intent does matter when you're talking about the law and you're talking about murder charges. So seems like the appropriate response systems, the systems acting as it should. And I just feel like in, a, in the event of an accidental shooting, I think we, I think we should be, I think we should continue. I don't know if it's the right thing for society to come to a screeching halt when something like this happens. Now, maybe, as I said, maybe the perspective on the ground there, maybe they just feel that people are in such a complete outrage that they just had to pause things due to, you know, whatever is happening on the streets, uh, whether it's protests, whether it's things that maybe are not exactly protests, dare I say some looting, you know, activities such as that. Uh, maybe they have, maybe they, I don't know, maybe the, maybe the ball field is like, oh God, they coming, they coming for the ball field. They're going to break in and rob the concessions. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely not on the same level and of a George Floyd or some of these other shootings that have, that have occurred. For that reason, I would continue on and I would also offer this up to you because, you know, I am a absolute believer in equality. And I told and I told you before the show just to see if you know you knew about it. There was a police officer in New Mexico that was shot during a traffic stop in February. The video was released very recently, and that the dash cam footage shows the the shooter getting out of the driver's side, the cops on the right side of the of the truck, I believe, and the guy do you like know, what you you do you know the cop's name? I, I don't. Okay. I don't, but I know I know what happened in New Mexico, but the the dash cam footage shows that cop get gunned down with an assault style rifle, and I, I just I just bring that up to say, if that if that shooting had taken place in Minneapolis as opposed or in, in Minnesota, Minneapolis as opposed to New Mexico, would these would these sports franchises stop the games for that police officer? I don't think they would. And I'm not saying I'm not saying they should, because if we take the time to pause society for every, you know, tragic and unjust killing that takes place, we're not gonna we're not gonna accomplish anything. You know, we're not gonna move forward. So it's one of those situations to where I believe, and you hear the phrase from time to time, "walk and chew gum" at the same time. Um, we can I, I do believe we can acknowledge what happened as a tragedy. But we can also continue to live, learn from what happened, and get better as a country. I think that's possible. Not saying they're wrong, because I do believe in the end there's something to be said. Have some perspective, empathize with those franchises and what they see happening on the ground there. I think that does play a part because, you know, we know there's a lot of there's a lot of anger around all of these situations, whether from George Floyd all the way up to Sunday when this young man died. So nobody's discounting that by any stretch. But I think in the end, I would I would have liked to see a little bit of a different approach applied. Hey, y'all know what time it is. Last but not least, it's rapid reactions. A lot of topics, a little time. You know what it is, Jay. The floor is yours. All right. Free agent pass rusher Jadavion Clowney has reached a one-year deal worth $10 million with the Cleveland Browns. How many sacks will he have in the upcoming season? Probably the same amount he had with the Tennessee Titans. I am sick of hearing Jadavis Clowney as a sweepstakes every offseason. Let me tell you something. If a player is a sweepstakes for three consecutive offseasons, it's probably a reason why. I'm just saying. Because usually a team will have them locked up at some point. So I, I don't foresee him doing no more with Cleveland than he did with Tennessee. Let's see. Arkansas have agreed to a five-year extension with men's basketball coach Eric Musselman were five million per year. Was that a good choice by the Razorbacks? Hey, when you get uh, to your first Elite Eight since 1995, can't blame the uh, the uh, the school at all for saying, "Hey, we got to extend this guy. We may not, you know, reach, you know, got. We don't want to wait another 25 years to get to 
an elite eight. So yeah, can't blame Arkansas at all. And he's proven he's proven to be a really good coach. The NCAA has voted to allow athletes to transfer one time without having to sit out a co of competition for a year. This is something we've talked about in the past, Drink. You in favor of this rule change? Yes, yes. It's one I'm on the fence, as you've seen. I'm on the fence because I don't like the fact that you allow players to, like, sign to a school and then say, oh, you know what, I don't like this school. But at the same time, it's fair to the players because you allow coaches to sign to a school and then just leave. So if you can allow coaches to do it without penalty, why not allow the players to do it? Because they're the ones that are actually on the field getting their bodies broken up. So I, I do agree with it to the point of, if you're gonna let coaches do it, then let the players do it. And I like this only one time. So you can't just go from school to school to school. You only get one one reprieve. So yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, mad at it. I, I actually do like that change to be honest with you. Major League Baseball is testing out a few new rule ideas in the Atlantic League, including moving the pitcher mound back one foot to 64 feet, 64 feet and six inches. What do you think of that idea? I, I don't I don't like it because, uh, as usual, these rule changes are designed to uh, assist the offensive team. Uh, they're trying to, you know, oh, strikeouts are way up, so let's move the mound back so they have an extra split second of reaction time. So. You never see, you really never see a sports league say, "Hey, the uh, the offense is having a little bit of too success. Let's let's make a rule to help the defense." Right, it's never right. that way at all. So, uh, as usual, I'm not for this. And the mound has been the same way since I believe I read earlier, 1893. So, uh, I I'd leave it alone. Let's instead of like, "Hey, a uh, a batter, will you stop taking a home run swing with two strikes? Put the ball in play, choke up, you know, do something like that." But. So no, I'm not a not a not a big fan of it. Former Steelers running back James Conner has reached a one-year deal with the Cardinals worth 1.75 million dollars. How much of a difference will he make for Arizona? Well, uh, not much. I mean, they, they. I thought the running backs that they had before was better. I mean, James Conner, all right. I mean, listen, I don't want to pass the guy. He'll add some depth to what um, Arizona got. Um, I know they let Kenya Drake leave. I think. But you still got Edmonds there. Um, I mean, depth is always good, but I'm sorry. I haven't seen a whole lot out of James Conner that made me think, oh, what a sign. What a sign up, buddy. He's a home run. So with that said, I mean, he'll give them depth, but that's about it as far as I'm concerned. The Steelers did get a boost on, to their defense with the return of inside linebacker Vince Williams. Big deal, little deal, or no deal. I'd give it in between a little deal and a big deal. Uh, the Steelers have been, you know, we, we talked about their, their cap situation. It was going to be difficult to keep their free agents. This is a guy they let go and had planned to lose. Um, but they also, they've gotten lucky. They brought back Juju Smith-Schuster. They uh, brought back Tyson Alualu. And now they get one of their, uh, one of their linebackers back who has proven to be, a, you know, a great run stopper for many years now. So I think it's good for the, for the Steelers. And due to all the free agents that they lost, uh, getting one of their own is, is somewhat of a big deal. Right. Denver Nuggets point guard Jamal Murray suffered a torn ACL in Monday night's loss to the Golden State Warriors. And uh, that does it for my Western Conference <laughs> champion pick drink. Take it away. Hey, yes, that does. Um, I find it very hard for the Nuggets to be able to overcome this. Listen, we said it earlier in the show. With Jamal Murray in the lineup, they had probably one of the best starting fives, if not the best starting five in the, in, in the NBA. Without Jamal Murray, you could go ahead and hang it up. I like Jokic. I like uh, Porter Jr. I like Aaron Gordon. All those cats. But you don't got enough. You play in the Western Conference, not the Eastern Conference. You don't got enough without them. So, yeah, you could probably stick a fork in that championship aspiration. Minnesota Twins shortstop Algentron Simmons has tested positive for COVID-19 after saying he was declining to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Jay, I got to know what your reaction is to this story. I was just curious, you know, I, you know, look on the MLB page for a little news and this is the first thing I see. And it's just curious, like, you know, it's like one of those gotcha stories. Like, oh, you didn't, you didn't take the vaccine. You posted, uh, you tested positive for COVID-19. Ha ha. Come on, come on media. Be a little bit better than that. We don't need to like, you know, they not, I know they, it's like common practice for the media to like plaster every professional athlete that gets COVID, but like, you don't need to highlight the guy just because 
he doesn't want the vaccine. I don't want the vaccine right now myself. You know, you're gonna right. plaster me up there when I test positive? Probably won't, by the way. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's silly and it's one of those situations where the media, and it's not just the media, but people in general, they have no shame. Rams superstar defensive tackle Aaron Donald, he's facing a possible assault charge stemming from an incident that happened in Pittsburgh on Sunday. What's your reaction to that drink? Not good, not good, but usually, you know, um, to put it out there on the streets, when you have um, cases like this, usually the player is able to get this done, uh, you know, outside of court and move on, no harm, no foul. Um, but it's not good. You definitely don't want one of your superstars out here getting into something like this. So it's definitely not good for um, the, the Rams organization. And it's definitely not good for Aaron Donald. So with that said, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it sucks to hear. But I, I think that'll get, this will get taken care of financially. Take that for what it's worth. <laughs> Last one. Bucks. Hawks. Tomorrow night in Atlanta. Who you got, Jay? Hawks have been really good lately, especially since Nate McMillan took over, but I got to play it safe and uh, take the Bucks. But, of course, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what the point of this picking these games because, you know, somebody will be load managing tomorrow, so it won't, it won't matter all that much. Anyway, right. that does it for this edition of A Drink of Wisdom. Thank you for joining us. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. We appreciate it all. I'm Jay Watts. And I'm Nathan Drinker, and remember, make tomorrow better than today, and make today better than yesterday, and you know what we gonna do. We gonna holler at you until next time, baby.